Good morning and good afternoon, everyone. Ms. Lance here from Normie TV, and we are live from Las Vegas at the Experience Trade Show. Uh, over the next three days um, during trade show hours, we're going to be doing interviews and a lot of live uh, presentations right here on Normie.tv. So if you're watching on any of the social media platforms, we'll be broadcasting there also. Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, YouTube, Twitch, or just Normie.tv. So we're working right now on scheduling quite a few interviews over the next three days. The normal broadcasting for Normie TV is going to be interrupted. Uh, we may have it running a little bit in between interviews, but we'll be shutting it down. So for those of you that follow us on any of the social media platforms, you will get notifications when we go live. And we're going to try to do a lot of it um, as much as possible anyways during the actual presentations here at the show. Um, a lot of the vendors are here. A lot of the attendees are going to be here. The uh, management side from the experience, we'll be talking with them. So if you weren't able to make it, we're going to try to uh, give you a little glimpse as to what's really going on here. So stick around. Um, keep the normie.tv channel open if you want to watch it there or any of the other social media platforms you're normally on. And we will be talking with you later. So take care. And welcome back, everybody. Uh, again, we are here at the Experience Trade Show in Las Vegas, and I have Doug Hoffman with me. Now, they just opened the doors up to the trade show, and there was a wall of people literally coming over to our booth. And Doug, I, I know that um, the PRV24K, the unit that we were just talking about, is like a big draw. But what, what kind of reaction did you see from the people that were coming over? You know, it's really funny here. We got three more people that just showed up. This uh, this device, this PRV24K, which actually ionizes the air during the air scrubbing process, I think is one of the going to be one of the hottest items here at the show. You know, we presented it last year at uh, Fort, Fort Lauderdale back in the spring, and we got such a huge reception. People were really interested in it. So it's a pretty cool device. You know, uh, the people are going, what's that? You know, it's like they've seen something similar, but nothing like this. And we have uh, the tubes extending out the lay flat. Yeah. So we're actually sending the technology all across our booth, which is a pretty big area. Yeah. I think the funny thing about this is most guys don't think about a, an air filtration device uh, when they use it as an air scrubber. It's really recirculating the air that's really close to it. It just can't go out there very far, obviously, because it's got the vacuum sucking the air into it, into the filter. And so it's going to kind of get the air real close to it, but it's not going to take you the air far away. So when we start teaching on tails, the idea of running a, a piece of lay flat out 20, 30, 40 feet, tying it off and putting slits in it, that was a kind of an innovation in a lot of ways. Guys thinking about, oh, well, now I can clean the air in the entire room and circulate all of the air, not just the air right around the air scrubber. Well, then when you add the ionizer to it, wow, it's like a whammy, you know, you've got You've yep. got uh, a, a technology that's going to be incredibly effective, make the air scrubbing process probably half as long as it would be otherwise. And you're going to get, uh, believe it or not, down into the zeros for the uh, testing. And that's what the people are asking me. So what does it really do? And, you know, when I started to explain about it, it more or less clumps the particulate into larger pieces so you can filter it out. Then, they go, oh, I understand now. Yeah. 
Yeah. You know, and we didn't even talk about, you know, how it helps move around the relative humidity, the higher levels against the floor. It, it just helps the entire process. Well, that's right. And that's only half of the process, the ionization process. The other part is sending out that photocatalytic oxidation uh, oxidizers into those areas, those cracks and crevices that maybe they missed with their fogging process or they couldn't get to, so they couldn't wipe it down. Now you're sending an oxidizer out that's going to destroy microbes. My goodness, it's just a win-win. Yeah, you're not talking about ozone, though. You're talking about different technology. That's right. And so one uh, one guy asked me about that, by the way. He said, well, can you actually produce hydroxyls without ozone? The answer is yes. This ionizer, when you add this, the dielectric barrier ionizer to the PCO technology, even without ozone, it's going to give you the same results, in some ways better results than results with ozone. Yeah, here's actually one of the uh, DBI cells that you were just talking about. Thank you, Dan. <laughs> yeah, this is the this is the DBI cell. It's a really interesting technology. This is actually an internationally patented product from Korea, and uh, Best Living Systems is the only company that actually has the the rights to sell this in the United States. But this added to the PCO technology, it just supercharges that uh, oxidizers to to be incredibly effective. Now we were at the uh, Experience Show in the spring. And it was a good show. It was busy. But just from what you've seen in the last 15 minutes, we got mobbed with people here. <laughs> yeah, I'm almost embarrassed sitting here doing this because there's so much to do, so many people to see. This is a huge crowd. It's probably, I would say, four or five times as large. Oh, easily. Yeah. Easily. So. so, Well, we'll have you back later on. Uh, and we're going to be doing this over the next two days after today. So we're going to do more interviews and we'll be popping in and out on the Normie TV channel and all the other platforms are on. So, all right, go meet the crowd. Thanks. I'm going to. Bye. Bye. So here we are trying something new, going mobile and live at the same time. So give me one moment. We'll see what else is happening here. Hopefully you should see our Normie booth. <laughs> and now we're just gonna kind of walk around here. It's uh, David McGrath. Uh, Hello, David. Can't, can't miss David in that suit. And as you can see, it's pretty bright. I'm going to stay kind of close to our booth here. Uh, just kind of giving you an idea of what's going on in the area. Walk a little bit further down. This, this place is pretty big here. And again, a lot of the other companies that we deal with all the time, they're in the general area here, and we'll be talking with someone a little bit later on. So uh, hang in there, and uh, we'll be back with another interview in about five minutes. The graph. How you doing, Lance? Good, good. And you talking there? 
I don't know. Maybe you killed the microphone. Run two. You're good. Okay. Okay. I have to raise my voice. I think it's the suit. Uh, I, I think the color is definitely wiping you out here. The suit drowns everything out. That's why I need to exist. Well, well, you wore a suit like that during the last show. It's become the status quo. Everybody expects it from me, and they're significantly disappointed if I do any alteration of the design. Well, your company is always on call, and it's a manpower um, resource, I guess, is the best way. We are supplemental labor specifically for the restoration industry. I have 20 years experience in restoration. It's all I know. It's what we do. And therefore, it's what my guys know and do. We do restoration yesterday. We did it today. And we're going to go do it tomorrow again. Well, you know, you're here at the show. I mean, you're you're not an exhibitor, but you are an exhibit. <laughs> I, I think that's a, the best way to describe it because everybody says, what is he wearing? Bright orange suit. It gets the eyes on me. And, uh, you know, if I need a part-time job as a traffic owner, something that goes over pretty well, too, I don't need to change. Well, the, the big question is, is it double A or nine volt batteries? <laughs> you can't see the car battery I carry around with it's, me. Is huh? that what that is? Okay. <laughs> That's what's in the bag over there. So, so on a realistic <laughs> side, I mean, you're down in Florida. That's where home base is. Yes. And the hurricane had just come through there. I mean, it's another one out in the, in the tropics right now. But how has that affected what's going on in your world? Um, I mean, overall, it wasn't a significant hit and it did enter at a uh, rather unpopulized area as far as, you know, comparable storms. Uh, we've had a slight uptick. I think we've mobilized 100 people to the area for about three or four different companies over the last 72 hours or so. So we are active in the area, but it is not nearly the response or, you know, the result that everybody was expecting. So it was, uh, thankfully, it was pretty light. You know, there wasn't a lot of damage. There was no loss of life. So, you know, just getting in there, cleaning back and getting uh, life back together for everybody. Oh, hopefully it kind of stays that way. I know that we've been looking at uh, there's like four or five other storms out in the Atlantic right now. And they're talking about one that's forecast to become a cat four in the next few days. Yeah. And they don't know where it's going. That's always the crapshoot. I mean, you can plan the best you want and then you sit there and wait and see what actually happens. You know, and you could be 300 miles off before it goes. You know how these things turn on a dime. We had the one uh, sat off the coast of Florida that was supposed to destroy the world about three, four years ago. Yeah, but it saw your suit and it turned right. <laughs> I, I think that was a distraction. Oh, no, 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 no. We're not going there. <laughs> hey, if that's what it takes, you know, yeah, it, keep people work. safe, saving lives. That'll work. One orange suit at a time. <laughs> you know, it's funny. When, when I was riding uh, here to the convention center from the airport, I... And I've been out to Vegas maybe, you know, eight, nine times now. I, I noticed something very specific. There's green on the trees. Everything else is brown and then orange, which is all traffic cones <laughs> in you. And, and that's it. That's all you see out here. I had a great observation about that, too. Only people want to put green in the desert. Human beings. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. So what do you think of the show? I mean, it just opened and it, it's mobbed here. Yeah, jam-packed. Definitely a great turnout. Very exciting event. It's nice to see, you know, one of the original events still being a flagship as it is. And, you know, the new ownership, they're trying really hard and the uh, results are paying off. I'm happy to be here again. Well, I'm glad you're here. It always, uh, for comic relief, if nothing else, <laughs> we appreciate you being here. And you do a lot of work with us. You, you know, you help uh, with some of our trainings. You provide actually lunches and, you know, other resources. So we do appreciate that. I appreciate Normie since day one. I uh 
took my first class with Normie when they required us to be certified and for licensed in the state of Florida. And I maintained a lot of classes and we built a long-term relationship and you guys have had my back. And frankly, it's something I'm extremely humbled by and appreciative of. So thank you very much, Normie and Lance as well. Well, you're welcome. The question now is, are you going to be here for the rest of the show? 100%. Do we have a different flavor suit or? I'm not allowed. Apparently, I went to one of the last trade shows and I swapped out the orange pants for black pants. And 50% of the people that uh, complimented me, criticized me. They're like, you know, you're not wearing orange pants anymore. I'm like, I'm sorry, I'll go change. <laughs> okay, so you, you just you just stay with your orange glow. And you got to please the fans, Lance. I, I get it. I get it. Well, thank you for stopping by. And, uh, you know, again, over the next two or three days, stop by. We'll, we'll chat some more. I want to get some feedback from you as, you know, what you're seeing at the show compared to the one that we saw in the springtime. Absolutely. We'd love to be back. Thanks for having us. All righty. Thank yes. you. Yes, thank you. Take care. Lance here from Normie.tv, and we are again going to be live today at the Experience Trade Show in Las Vegas. Uh, doors are going to open here in about 10 minutes, and uh, the crowd that we had yesterday seems to be small compared to what we're looking for today. So uh, there are a lot of people here for the uh, training tracks that we had running earlier today. We did quite a few presentations, and uh, we expect a very large crowd in the main trade show hall itself. So we'll be coming to you later on, uh, on and off between now and the next three, four hours with uh, interviews and uh, possibly we can do another walk around and show you some more vendors and some of the new products that are going on. So if you are following us on any of the social media platforms, you will get notifications when we go live like you hopefully did for this. And if not, you may want to follow us so you do get future notifications. Again, you can always watch us at normie.tv or on most of the major social media platforms. Just look up Normie and you should find us. See you all in a little bit. Thank you. Other interview, and I apologize for us coming in and out, but we have people that just keep coming over and talking with us and want to be involved in the process. So here we are. So I have Joshua with us from Property Craft out of Colorado. Yes, sir. And uh, well, tell us a little about yourself, because I'm not really familiar with you other than what we just had a slight conversation. Yeah, no worries. I uh, born and raised in Southern Colorado. Uh, property restoration. So the water, the fire, the flood, the smoke, the mold, the odor. Uh, we also have an environmental division that does asbestos, lead, uh, land reclamation. A lot of indoor air quality. Just try to be a voice for the property. So you're dealing with that niche market of people that have to breathe, right? Oh yeah, absolutely. And we, uh, we've really tried to bring air quality, uh, into all aspects of our business, uh, not just microbial growth, not just asbestos or lead. Um, we're really paying attention to what the air quality is, as we're doing a category one water loss and really trying to make that environment better as we move through the process. Oh, okay. So in Colorado, there's no licensing laws. There's no licensing laws for microbial growth, but that's a platform that I'm standing strong on. And I really do that. We need to uh, start to regulate ourselves uh, as we move forward. We we are over-regulated with asbestos, which I love, um, but it, it holds the contractor accountable to doing things right, not only for themselves, their employees, uh, but for the property owners and, and the public that's within those, within those structures as well. Yeah. You know what you just said just kind of struck a chord with me because during a lot of the courses that we teach, I, I refer back to something that my kids experienced going through band and everything else in high school, that the instructor would 
constantly tell them to do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And that, that's just what it sounds like you're, yep. you're talking about. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's something that within our company, we really try to strive, not only with our employees, but everybody that we're involved with, from all of our subcontractors, our electricians, our HVACs, really trying to get them to start to understand that from that perspective as well. Uh, we are in construction, uh, but there's no reason that we can't uh, construct clean and keep that environment well as we're moving forward. My, my dad's uh, a regional building inspector uh, in Pueblo County. And so he's part of that regional authority. So it gets real fun around our dinner table all the time. I, I can see that, you know, everybody leave the silverware on the table when we talk, <laughs> you know, nothing flies. So as far as Colorado goes, is there anything in the wind as far as uh, regulation or licensing on the microbial side? You know, not, not that I've heard of. Uh, we, we, uh, our company in general, we're, we're on, on growth phase and we're going to move outside of Colorado at some point. As I talk to my, my C-suite, as I talk to my other owner, we're looking at the states that are actually regulated and starting to regulate a little bit heavier. Um, I, I think I had said it earlier in the conversation, the asbestos is definitely over-regulated. Right. So not only do we have the EPA uh, uh, OSHA, but we have CDPHE as well. And it's it's trying to find the regulation that's most stringent and working our way through that. But if you can follow those sets of rules, the, the process, um, it's there for a reason. I, I never thought I'd be sitting up here saying, hey, we need to be more regulated. But the, the farther I get in this industry, the farther I work with water, mold, fire, air yeah. quality, uh, the more I'm becoming an advocate for, for us needing to have some sort of regulation. Well, with, without the regulation, you're standing out there on the edge by yourself. Yeah. And you're competing against people that aren't following any rules or regulations. Yep, absolutely. And doing things that are not helpful to the industry. And then you come in trying to do it right. And you're questioned and scrutinized. So we, we see that all over the country. Because, yep. I mean, we teach in all five states and counting D.C. as a state that require licensing. And uh, we've actually sent to all governors um, over the last five or 10 years, um, a draft of a bill that kind of works a combination of what all the other states are doing that are licensed. And you get some movement, but it just drags on and nobody wants to make those decisions. Yep. I, I, property crafts behind you 100%. Whatever you need in Colorado from us, we'll be there with you. Well, we're not as big out on the West Coast as we are on the East, but we do have a lot of classes and a lot of personnel now starting to take over out there. And I'm just sorry, I'm not distracted. I'm just looking around watching people, you know, wandering, taking stuff off our table. We have uh, the Normie TV uh, stickers and keychain things, whatever stuff. Uh, this conference is, it's huge right now. If you're around, get over here, at least come to the exhibit, come say hi to Normie. There is so many vendors here it's unbelievable anything shock you this year anything new you know i i literally i came here right at 2 30 and i've okay. been kind of sitting in this area i haven't made it all the way through yet so are you going to be in any of the uh, training tracks you know i decided this uh this time uh not to do it i just got done with uh the experience in fort lauderdale okay uh in april uh worked all summer long uh did the core conference the core collective conference uh last week in austin texas and so i decided not to do any of the tracks this time shame on me uh but didn't want to miss the exhibit 
Oh, I'm glad you're here. That's the important part. Thank you. Well, I thank you for your time. Nah, thank you, Lance. Very and, nice uh, to chat with you. You know, doing interviews the next few days. So feel free to stop back. Absolutely. We'll make sure to get some of my team over as well. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Lance. We'll say Mark Quigley, which is the name that he goes by to for his friends, which apparently I have now considered. So this is all good. So how you doing? Pretty good. Pretty good, Lance. Thanks very much. Yeah. Mark's been with us for quite some time. Uh, he's gone through some of our training. And um, you're located in South Florida, right? Yeah, uh, Southwest, over in uh, Naples. Oh, okay. Well, you were down there for all the damage from the uh, previous storms from last year? Actually, Hurricane uh, Hurricane Ian. So we're still uh, still struggling with some of that damage. So, yep, it, uh, yeah, it hit us uh, pretty hard. Well, you weren't affected by the recent storm that just went through. That was north of you guys. Yeah, it, um, a little bit more rain, but no, it hit uh, hit up quite a way north of us. So, no, not at all. Well, I don't know if it's good or bad, but there's five storms out there now. And there's one they're forecasting as a Cat 4. They don't know where it's going. They say it's heading east. I mean, towards the east coast. So. Anyways, kind of keep your fingers crossed. It doesn't cause. Yeah, I'm not surprised at all, especially with the temperature of the uh, the ocean. So, somebody said that um, around a week or two ago that the Atlantic Ocean by Miami hit 101 degrees. Yeah, I heard that. That's that's just bizarre. The same report I was watching was talking about them going to a Category six and seven on the hurricane scale because of the increase in the water temperatures. They they feel they're going to need to increase that. It's it's almost up to tornado speeds. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean that's just uh yeah, that would be horrific. Yeah. Well, as far as your business goes down there, because I know you've been busy, you know, what what are you seeing as far as the industry? Because I know there's a big shift in insurance and everything down there. A lot of insurance companies are bailing out of the uh, state. Right. So um I even though I um, I've done the normie training and I'm a licensed mold assessor. Um, I'm actually from the bio uh, biohazard industry, so right. that's where uh, a lot of my time is really spent. So we could be looking at unattended death or suicides or those type of things. But bio also brings into um, into being bacterial contaminations. Right. And so a lot of people ask me to um, to come and test because I'm a, a mold assessor, so I will test, but I'm, I'm looking at it from a slightly different point of view. And um, so I will test for mold, I'll test for microtoxins, I'll, I'll test for bacteria. And so we know, um, you know insurance will, will cover for mold, but it gets a, a little bit hazier when it comes to to biohazard so um a lot of the homeowner policies do actually cover for that and a lot of people aren't aren't aware of that uh so um i don't generally deal with insurance at all so um because of the because of the fields that i'm in do you do a crime scene cleanup yes yep uh-huh. How about uh, things like fentanyl, meth labs, stuff like that? Yeah, so it's um, with fentanyl, it's becoming a um, 
a pretty a pretty severe problem. So yes, there is there is that as well. I know I can tell you in the Northeast, fentanyl has gotten so bad that it's now um, acceptable to sell Narcan over the counter from almost all drugstores. They're actually giving it away if you contact the state. They're just giving out uh, Narcan to counteract the uh, fentanyl effects. Um, And and dealing with that, that's one of the things that, you know, the people that are listening right now, if you're in this industry and you're dealing with crime scene cleanup or just in general, um, being aware of fentanyl is a must because you can come in contact with it and not realize it and all of a sudden become a victim of it without being somebody that's a user. Yeah, well, I was talking to one of the um, the county that I'm in, um, I reside in and operate in is uh, Collier County. And I was talking to the undersheriff there oh, a couple of couple of months ago, and uh, he was saying it's a it's it's becoming a, a major concern, and there isn't a week that goes by where one of their patrol cars is uh, contaminated, and he even um, you know went to um, extent saying that while there aren't the 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 proliferation of labs he, he's expecting it to expecting it to come so yeah it's becoming a uh, a growing problem and so you walk into a contaminated space or or an unattended death i mean how did that death happen and so you need to know was it a, a drug overdose because um you know there is uh, certainly different protocols that you've got to undertake for the for the cleanup you know, one of the uh, big things that we start, we've been talking about with a, a lot of our members in trainings is being aware of fentanyl and some of the other um, street drugs, if you want to call it, that are out there that you're not aware of. You could be going in to do a simple mold job. I'm not saying simple, but just something isolated to mold and come in contact with all this other stuff, dealing with hoarders, dealing with drug addicts. You don't know the people that you're dealing with. And if you don't know how to recognize the symptoms, if you're being affected, it could be too late by the time that you do realize something's wrong. So being aware of that's just something that you have to know. Well, that's exactly right. So, I mean, one of the things that I do first and foremost is doing a risk assessment. And so um, if I step onto a, a site, I've got to assess that risk. What is the risk to myself? What is the risk to my team? And uh, what, are, what is the risk to the, the future inhabitants of that, of that scene? So, yeah, it's, that's one of the first steps that, that have, you know, you've got to undertake. You know, one of, one of the uh, things that we see with a lot of our members, and we try to talk about this, and it, it, it's a touchy subject, is when you're doing interviews and you're doing your risk assessment, as you call it, you, you want to listen to the person you talk to. You want to believe what they're telling you. But more times than not, they're not giving you the truth or at least a full picture of what's really going on. I mean, I've been in the emergency medical field for almost 50 years. And we were, for the last 10 years or so, dealing with people wearing fentanyl patches. And, you know, they'll have a prescription for a fentanyl patch. Problem is, you'll see somebody going through an overdose, and you take their patch off. And as you're checking them, you're finding another 8, 9, 10 patches stuck to them. And these things are dermal absorbent. 
Meaning if you touch them or touch their skin, you are getting affected by it. So if you're not using gloves and PPE or, or you know, sometimes masks, you could become a victim of trying to help somebody or clean up an environment. Well, I mean, that's exactly right. And so any situation I, I get, I've, the, the minimum that I walk in, in with is a, is a powder a respirator. And I learned that lesson the hard way in 2013 down in New Zealand. Um, I had an active asbestos sampling business, surveying business down there, and uh, used to sample a lot of mould as well. And so the government department that we were testing for at that time, they asked us to test this particular building. My mould assessor was there, my my um, my uh, uh, asbestos assessor was there, and I was the only one there without breathing apparatus. And I went there because I was going to be there for less than an, a couple of minutes. I just wanted to set these two guys up and uh, I was gone. And so did that, walked out. That night I got pretty sick and luckily the next day I was uh, scheduled to fly back home to, to Naples and um, I ended up on my back for the next eight weeks under the care of a immunologist because I got mold poisoning. And so um, that's how I discovered I was highly allergic to mold. But so any environment I, I, I generally walk into that is a um, known contamination, I'm, I'm always protecting myself. But even when I'm just asked to go into um, just an ordinary home, I... For the last two years, ever since COVID happened, I have prioritized my my um, immune system. So I will always be doing um, things that will undertake to strengthen the immune system just in case I'm going to step into a contamination that, that I'm not aware of. Do you um, find that on some old jobs that you're doing, you start to cross the lines into like... Um, the crime scene side of meth labs? Um, no, it's it's pretty clear cut. Um, so for me, it's it's I I will get asked to sample for either mold or mycotoxins, and then when um, I'm I'm asked to deal with with a like a unattended death then the police have already been involved and the, the scene is 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 cleared before anybody else can okay. can step in. So, yeah, there is a pretty clear delineation between what sort of things that we're dealing with. So a little bit outside the normal conversation, do you deal with any specialized equipment like explosion meters and stuff like that for sampling the environments that you're going into? Just no, for your own. no, nothing really. It's um, I, I mean, the main sampling that I I do is um, I do sample a little bit for asbestos, but I'm um, not nothing like I used to do in in New Zealand. I mean, down in New Zealand, I did over two hundred thousand samples. Here, you know, one what I discovered is that the licenses that I held for New Zealand and Australia. Once I, I got north of the equator, my 
my intelligence diminished and those licenses weren't recognized up here so i can't use them right so i i i don't really do that much of that type of sampling so the only sampling i'm really doing is mold mycotoxins or bacteria as far as asbestos because you mentioned that earlier I know for years they talked about removing asbestos. You got to remove it. You got to remove it. You got to use leaf blowers and blow out all the spores and do all that. Now it's shifted, at least in the U.S., to leave in place and encapsulate. Is it that way in Australia and New Zealand? Uh, yes, because the, the hierarchy of, of asbestos is, or actually really any hazardous material, it is removal first. And if you can't remove you encapsulate it if you can't encapsulate it you seal it and so um the ultimate is to remove it uh, but sometimes if if it isn't in bad repair and the fibers aren't being released then yes it's probably better to either encapsulate or or, or seal so that yes it's it really depends on the on the circumstance so where, where do you see the industry going? And I'm going to ask more specific to the crime scene cleanup and the fentanyl problem. Well, yeah, it's a it's a growing it's a growing business, growing industry, really, because um, it it's becoming more and more prevalent. And so, um, you know, I'm in a I'm in a an environment, an aged, aging environment, being Naples, a lot of retirees. So, um, you know, I'm not going to say that it's God's waiting room, but it's one of them. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because the aging population, I'm, I'm changing gears here, is one of the fastest growing um, segments of the population to abuse illegal drugs heroin, um, you know, uh, methadone, and any of the other drugs that are pain relief, because it's cheaper to buy off the street than it is to get prescriptions, if you can even get prescriptions now. So you're running into any of that. I mean, uh, fentanyl is a big problem because of pain relief. Right. Well, um, no, it's not something that I have, I've, I've really... I've really come across it's um, um, again. I'm stepping into uh, an unattended death that's already been cleared by by the by the authorities. So it's not as if I've I've got to drag the body out. Right, you come in after the medical examiner yeah. has done their deal. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's it, it's the cleaning side that you deal yeah. with. Yeah. No, and I understand that. Uh, you know, the problem is the unknowns. You know, do you get a uh, history or a report from law enforcement of what you're dealing with? Or are you going in blind and just have to ask questions? No, you've got to ask questions. So really it begins with a phone call. So the initial phone call that you ask, it's a who, wet, the who, what, when, where, and how. And so you get gather as much information as you can before you step in, into that into that um, into that scene. But one thing I I I have noticed with a lot of the hoarding um, cleanups we do, uh, um, hypodermic needles. 
Yeah. It's uh, which it was initially was was quite surprising. And so, um, yeah, it's you, you've got to be prepared for, um, you know, the worst. So even if it has been cleared or or whatever, you're, there'll, there'll be there'll be things that you perhaps didn't expect to find. You know, it's funny you said that. You mentioned who, what, where, when. Tomorrow, I'm actually doing a uh, presentation on sampling technologies. And the one question that you didn't ask is why. And with what you do, why isn't important. But with the assessment side, testing, the type of testing, it's all about why you do it, why you don't do it. So it's just interesting the way that you listed all of them, except for the one on the testing side. Right, right. So, well, as you can see, the industries are very, very closely matched to each other. Crime scene cleanup, mold assessment, mold remediation, water drying um biohazards it, it, it all works together but it has its own specific differences yeah definitely it's um it's uh well you know i was involved in the hazard hazard industry down on the south pacific and now here i'm involved in the biohazard but there are certain definite crossovers and so biohazard here mold um mold mold industry here there are certain crossovers so you're you're exactly right there are there are um there is there is certain similarities between all the industries i have to ask you so you mentioned south pacific one of the uh things that i've come across that people don't think about is plants now the different environments and regions that we live in have obviously different types of plants that grow there's a lot of very toxic and poisonous plants out there. Do you ever run into that at crime scenes or regular mold jobs? Um, no, not not at all. I haven't. Uh, no. Hey, the only reason I bring that up is uh, my wife loves exotic plants. And we have a lot of tropical plants, even though I live in New Jersey. So we bring them in the house, out of the house, depending on the season. There's certain plants, especially uh, we have a few from Hawaii that the sap is actually poisonous or toxic that you know oh it's a gorgeous looking plant it is unless you you know ingest or or touch the toxins right yeah yeah well i think the closest i come to poisonous plants is uh, southern vine or or um those those type of things but they're outside really so no not an issue well the the other point to that is there's um there's a drug called digitalis that is a uh, drug that's used for regulating heart rates. Uh, it can actually stop a heart. And it is in a plant called, I believe, foxglove. Right. Which is very common yeah. throughout the U.S. and many parts of the world. that people don't realize just handling that plant can cause your heart rate to change to fast or slow or things like that. And this is all of involved around not being a crime but just being the unexpected things that you come in contact with and as crime scene cleanup you never know what you're dealing with yeah exactly well exactly i mean it is a crime scene so the you know with with those sort of situations the person has steps stepped outside of the law so you you don't know what they've been involved with right and truthfully 
the word truthfully doesn't really apply because exactly. you're, you're not going to get that information from the people that you're working for yep. or with. Yep. So. For sure. All right. Well, I appreciate your time. Your insight is always interesting because the yep. crime scene side is different than what we normally deal with. And uh, I know we want to start getting uh, more advanced to crime scene exposure training, because even if you're not doing the cleanup, you need to be aware of what to look for. Right. Of course. Yep. So, I, you know, one of the things about meth labs is the volatility of the chemistry. You know, going in with uh, electronics and just starting them up can cause an explosion. Right, of course. So, you know, that's why I asked you earlier about explosion meters. You know, it's different things that fire departments would carry. But, you know, it sounds like you have a procedure, you have a practice that you go through for safety, which is something that all of our people need to do no matter what piece of the industry they're in yeah for sure so i thank you sir appreciate it as always, always a pleasure always a pleasure lance so uh anytime and like i said we're going to be here for the next few days so uh, we may uh, drag you back in here for something yep. else yep no problem all right thank you very much give Thanks me a lot. check in here okay everybody we are back and i have michael pinto with me right now who is uh one of our norming members and senior trainers actually and we did quite a bit of training this morning where Michael actually did the final uh, session in our training track dealing with mycotoxins and dealing with sensitized individuals, I believe. It was. It was very exciting. And uh, it is pretty much new information. Uh, the science has been collecting slowly, in my opinion, over the last 12 or 14 years. But when you finally put it all together and actually see the picture that is painting for you about mycotoxins and the dangers that they pose for people and why they're so difficult to clean up and why we have to adjust our cleaning methodologies to deal with them. It's, it really is kind of mind blowing for a lot of people. Well, you had standing room only in there uh, this afternoon. I was in there and I took a look and said, every, every chair is like filled here, you know, it's standing room only. So people are getting aware or becoming aware of the sensitized individual issue and they want more info on it. Well, the sensitized individuals and then that ties back to the mycotoxins because the poisons are um, clearly what's causing a lot of the health effects for these sensitized individuals. So for those uh, folks who aren't as familiar with that terminology, the medical science, the uh, physical science in regards to the mold, the sampling science and the remediation science are all coming to a focal point right now that's uh, helping us understand the importance of the mycotoxins and most importantly, how to deal with the mycotoxins. How about the medical field? Are they, are they paying real attention to this or are they still, it's not quite in their arena? Well, that's interesting that you mentioned that because it's really uh, segments of the medical field the naturopaths and the, um, uh, you know, the doctors that specialize with the, and the physician assistants and things like that, that specialize with the sensitized individuals, they get mycotoxins. They're on it. Um, four or five years ago, when I was talking about mycotoxins and had the, you know, sense from some of the kind of more esoteric um, research studies and stuff mm -hmm. that they were more dangerous or, or bigger part of the problem than what uh, we understand now, or, or that we now understand, um, th there was some skepticism on the side of the medical professionals. 
but the ones who are dealing with sensitized individuals, they get it. The majority of the medical professionals, however, don't deal with that. And they, they still don't get mold, let alone mycotoxins. So well, two different see, parts. We see that all the time where somebody will go to a doctor or an allergist and you know they're treated with all kinds of injections and oral medications and it's sent back to the environment that's causing them the problems. Yeah. And and I certainly don't want to, you know, paint with too broad of a brush or say anything negative toward our medical professional colleagues and stuff. But people don't understand a lot of times the allergist just by their training and by the the way that that whole industry has developed, they're about symptom control. They're not necessarily about solving the problem. And so then when you add the extra of the problem solving goes into the environment rather than into the person necessarily, then you've got two strikes against you. And so it's, I mean, we've done um, little training seminars and things for allergists. And by and large, they're not interested. No, no. And I've seen that because I've talked with allergists too. And no, 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 no. We, we stay in our lane. You know, we, we provide allergy shots and medications, and but nobody addresses the cause. Yeah, it's symptoms versus cause. And I would point out that that's, uh, some of that is actually true for the remediation industry too. How many people are there just to rip out the mold? And never, you know, take a close look at where the water's coming from or how is the HVAC working or not working. And how many times have we talked about HVAC units being oversized for a house and then you've got excess humidity. Well, if if you're just dealing with the mold itself and not fixing those underlying issues, those poor people are left. You know, what is it going to be six months, a year? before the mold comes back because you didn't solve the water problem. You're absolutely right. I mean, I did a a presentation this morning. Actually, my segment was before yours. And I talked to the group about words mean things, but they mean different things depending on what industry you're in, what your education level is, what you're exposed to. And telling somebody something that we take for granted because we know how it affects people, they hear something different. And it's very confusing when you try to tell somebody you need to, well, why? It doesn't make sense. My doctor said this. Yes. And not to turn it completely back toward myself or anything, but that's one of the reasons that the presentation this morning on the mycotoxins was laid out the way that it was. It was foundational first. We have to, you know, people don't even know what mycotoxins are, where they come from why they stick on surfaces, why they're difficult to clean. So, you know, if you don't back up and start with those basics, even people who have been in the industry for 10, 15 years, they're looking at you, well, why should I change what I'm doing now? Right? Because it's been working so far. Well, it's been working for some. And, you know, I'm not denigrating that, but for the sensitized individual or you run into a situation where the mycotoxins are playing a heavier role in the exposure issues and your standard remediation just isn't going to cut it. Right. And and that causes frustration with the people that aren't being trained and or not being trained, but the, the public that you're dealing with. And then you start to get a bad reputation because you're not fixing the issue because you're not addressing the sensitized individual's needs. Yeah. And, and worse than that, though, it's you're getting a bad reputation, but you're getting a bad reputation to the rest of the industry, too. Yeah. So. How many times have I heard by the time the 
client gets to us, we've had three remediations. We've had four remediations. These people are, are, yeah. you know, suffering a little bit. Absolutely. I've had six people out here doing this, you know, and, and it's over and over. Why are you any different? What are you going to, and then you get to explain to them, you know, the different levels of training and the, and the causes. It makes sense to people at that point. Though you did say something a moment ago that just hit me and it's a line from a movie I saw. We said, you know, turning around about me, what you were saying. Yeah. I said, I think the line from the movie went something like, okay, enough about me. Let's talk about you. What do you think about me? Gee, <laughs> you know, just breaking it up from I like that. So what a, do you think? I, I can't say this is live. Yeah, you know, it's there's true. no editing here. It's true. No, no, it was really great. Uh, you know, it is great working with you. We've done some training together. Uh, I've attended a lot of your classes. I've done a lot of the uh, admin support, you know, behind the yeah. scenes. So we've worked on a, on a lot of stuff. And the reception that you're given from the students is, is really, it can be, I guess, overwhelming because they just want to flock around you. You know, tell me more, tell me more. And they become information sponges and you just can't give it to them fast enough. Yes. And a lot of that is because they aren't getting the answers from people that they expect to get the answers from. Right. And I would say the other thing I've kind of made my career on is being that bridge between the professional and the uh, lay person. And I, you know, I thank God I've got an ability uh, and it's a gift to take these very complex issues and present them in a way that people understand at a common level. And it's not yeah. saying that people are dumb or anything like that. It's just, they don't spend all day reading the studies and being right. the mold geek they're, like they're I am. exposed to the industry. Right. You know, they don't see that. You know, one of the things that we found out about uh, some of the more advanced courses that you teach, we have to be cautious that you don't let somebody in that has no training. Right. Because it becomes a detriment to the class because they're so far behind, they don't understand. And then they're asking questions that the majority of the class that has training already knows the information. So it's something that becomes uh, difficult. You don't want to make prerequisites. However, you know, it's something that we really need to discuss and talk about for these classes. Yeah, because you have to respect the other people in a class, too. Yeah. You can't have one person. You, you run into the other issue, too, sometimes where people have a lot of experience and they come in and they, because of the experience they have, they almost act like they're a co-instructor. They just want right. to comment on everything that you say. And at some point it's like, uh, I appreciate that. But you know, if you want to be an instructor, develop your own material and yeah. talk to Normie and see if it passes muster to do a class. But uh, right. I, uh, the other thing I did want to mention is that um, the, uh, training also has to be based on something real. And one of the reasons I think it's such a good fit with Wondermakers and Normie is because Normie talks about professional practices. They talk about this is the, this is what you need to do. This is the goal that you need to meet for your different remediation steps. And there's endpoints. It's not just open, you know, right. there, there's requirements and, and, uh, things that you have to reach in order to qualify that job is done right. Right. So sometimes it's not so much. There's there can be a lot of flexibility in the how 
we're going to do things. But ultimately, we have to get to that endpoint. We have to know where that project is going to end. And then uh, that's what the professional practices do for us. They tell us both how to get there, but they also, because there's steps to it, but they also say at the end, this is, this is what the end result should look like. And that's huge. So let me put you on the spot here. And what do you think the chances are that we could take the segment you did this morning and actually do it for a normie continuing education training? Okay, just put me right on the spot. Thank you there, Lance. There you I appreciate that. Not that we're twisting your arm or anything. Yeah, so now what am I supposed to say? No? Well, no. Uh, well, thank you for the offer. you got to remember, and, it's not about you. It's about me thinking about you. You know, that's <laughs> that goes. Yes. Uh, well, actually, what it should be would be about us serving the Normie membership. And I, if you think that what you heard today was good enough that you would like to put it up on the on the training and everything, I would be honored. I mean, it's the yeah. the presentation's already done, and okay. so it's it's not that much more work to just uh, go through it another time. And I'm sure there's a lot of Normie members who weren't able to make it down here to the experience conference, and and uh, I think that would be a form, and then people could you know, ask some questions and stuff too. Sure could. You know, one of the things that, you know, I always talk about is with technology, don't fear the technology. You don't have to understand it completely, but you have to be aware that it's there. Same thing with this. Don't fear learning about mycotoxins and more advanced um, training and technology in this industry. Be aware that it exists though. Because you can always say, I don't know the answer, but I know where to go to get it. Exactly. And the fact of the matter is that one of the things we talk about in the uh, session and, and certainly can emphasize a little bit on the uh, you know member training is just some clues that you should be familiar with to know that you're walking into the, you know, kind of the mycotoxin minefield. Sure. So that. Because that's going to be the thing that hurts people the most is that they are are doing their standard remediation. They're having great success with that. They expect that this next project is going to be pretty straightforward. And the conditions have changed and the requirements have changed. Or the occupant is different. And if they don't have enough information to identify those clues that tells them that, then they could be in trouble. Yeah, absolutely right. Well, I think it would be very beneficial for any crowd that we can put, whether it's online or in person, in front of you to learn about this technology, about the uh, research that's been done, about things that they can do to improve the work that they're doing for desensitized individuals, which is what, 20, 25% of the population now? Yeah, yeah. I, I want to pick up on that comment, too, because um, one of the things that's most important to me is this idea that in the restoration industry in general, and even in the mold remediation industry, there's so much MUS, that's MUS, made up stuff. Yep. And so the information that I brought forward this morning that I'm, you know, that we'll have to set up a time to share with the rest of the Normie membership, it's not made up stuff. It's science, it's documented. It's, you know, you do the hard work. You gotta get the footnotes, you gotta have the studies. Um, legitimate peer-reviewed studies so that, you know, it's real science behind it. And as I explained uh, in the session this morning, it's not that anecdotal data isn't useful. You know, so 
if if I run a project the same way five times and I have success five times in a row, that's anecdotal data. And that tells me, okay, I'm on to something, but that's not scientific data that right. is explaining why you're having that particular success. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because this morning during my presentation and what mine was about was about all different types of sampling technology and equipment and things out there, but it all comes down to the question, why? Why do you use that device? Why do you do that type of sample? Why don't you do that kind? And this industry doesn't always address why things are done. And that's what needs to be there. And I mean, we'll take it back one step previous to that. The one before you was Doug talking about assessments. Exactly. And it's the same thing. Why do you do the assessments? Why should you do a better assessment than what you're doing right now? And he's, you know, he's got like six things there. You're protecting yourself from liability. You're answering the question is what's going on. You're helping to write a work plan. I mean, he goes through that whole list, but by and large, it's answering the why question so that you can then move confidently from the why to the what are we going to do? You know, it's funny. I talked with Doug before I did the presentation and he made a change to the PowerPoint that I had set up for it. It was the word why that was on the screen. We're in Vegas. He changed it to W-H-Y on dice. <laughs> We're in Vegas. It had to be that way. So yeah. it made the point. Indeed. 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 Well, thank you, sir. What a blessing. It's been a pleasure. And uh, we'll do more of this. And we will uh, get together as far as picking a time to do a uh, recertification training or some sort of training with your presentation that you did today for the normal membership and we'll see about doing it on a uh an open feed like this yeah and i i just gotta tell you thank you lance i mean if if you thought it was good enough to actually invite me back to there with the other um normie members that's high praise for me and i appreciate Absolutely. you very much i well, joke you. with you too much but i do appreciate you now you know what it's such a serious industry yet you have to lighten up a little bit yeah <clears throat> yep i mean i i I went to a woman's house once to do an assessment. <clears throat> she was terrified that we were going to find mold and it was going to be a horrific situation. And I could see how she was shaking. And, and I took her by the arm and I said, come with me. And we walked to the front door and I said, do you see a bulldozer out there? She's looking. She said, no. I said, we're not knocking your house down. We're just here talking. Relax. It's not that bad. And she calmed down. So it, there's a fear out there and we really need to help people with that. Yeah. And unfortunately there's too many people in the industry, remediators and assessors who think it's their job to put that fear, fear in people because I would just say, because they can then take advantage of them. And I'm sorry to have to say that about people in our own industry, but you know, there's people in every industry that are going to not do it the right way either. Well, the easy way is we try to set a bar at a high level. And the measurement of that bar is you do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. That's right. And that's it. Yep. And that's what those practices, those normal professional practices are all based on. That's why those practices get adjusted on a fairly regular basis to keep up with what's exactly. going on in the industry. I'm telling you, I'm so excited to be part of Normie. That is a plug direct to you guys because okay. we'll take <laughs> just, it. Yeah. Oh yeah. Enough I mean, about you. What do you think about me? You know, yeah. yeah we'll go no, back no, to no. That. It's enough about me. It's what I think about Normie. Right. So there you go. Blessings. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Bye-bye. Stand by a second. Experience live.
And we are now talking with one of the players, we'll call you, Mike <laughs> Delzano from BMP Media. BMP Media. R&R. I'm the publisher of R&R. And these guys are running the show. Yeah, it, can, you can believe that. And I used to, I, I, I always try, I, I wanted to avoid being called a player when I was younger. Okay. Not, somehow I lured my wife into marriage. Trust me, me anyway. you're not younger anymore. Not- <laughs> <laughs> Neither am I. No, we, okay. we've been, we had the discussion way too much, you and me. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. <laughs> we are, um, yeah, I mean, we are, we purchased, our company purchased the experience last year and we'll probably, you know, Larry, this is Larry Cooper's last show as has been uh, well documented. So starting on Saturday, we're going to, we're going to take over. We're really excited about this. What a great event this has been for so long. And we're just honored to be in it really. It- you know, I, I've gone to many of the experience shows with Larry doing it, and it's always been such a warm, friendly feeling. And last last show was your first one uh, under new management. And I noticed a big change even with this one, feeling more like the old experience show, which which is nice. That, that That's great to hear. Thank you. We, we One of the things we wanted to do, I mean, this is such a traditional event. Both of the events are so traditional and they're so ingrained in our industry. The last thing we want to do is come up and say, you know what? We're changing the name. We're changing. We're, no, we're not. No, no, no. We, we don't make it. It's hands-on is the key. Family, friendly, right. fun, things like that. We, we definitely aren't going to end that anytime soon. Well, I think one of the big transitions, and we talked about this over the last show, you guys run a lot of other shows also, but this one's kind of special, you know, and, and I think it's outside the normal mold. And I think you guys got it. You know, I think you listened. Yeah, BNP Media runs 65 events, and we have about 40 or 50 other regular media brands like R&R. So they've been doing, they do this a lot. They do this for a long time. And and that, and you're exactly right. This isn't, there's no, this is not a cookie cutter event. And no. we learned that quickly. Yeah, it's just dense. There's a lot of fun things. A lot of cra- I learned something today. You know, I'm supposed to be having a, some kind of a, some kind of a boss type role Starting okay. Saturday, I'm like, oh, you know what? I better look into that. <laughs> Wait a minute, I'm in charge. Where did that come from? Let me see after it. But uh, that's okay. That's okay. I think we're, we're in a position now to to kind of. And I was talking to Larry the other day. We we just want to, and as you know, we had gave him an award last night, but for good reason. Um, he's been a, a leader of our industry for a long time, and I think that what we want to do is just expand on it if we can. Take what's been great and maybe see how we could tweak it to make it a little better. Well, I noticed, uh, I mean, obviously, this is your bigger show. You do two experiences a year, and this is the bigger of the two, but it's been crowded. It's a good show. It came out, and it's funny. These events are all like this. The attendance is down, attendance is down, attendance is down, losing sleep, losing sleep, and then suddenly the last month, it all comes together. It always seems to work out like that, but it's still, I don't know. It's my Italian and Polish upbringing makes me uh, scared of that a little bit. Well, you know, it's funny because uh, we did our training track today and I actually was a speaker at one of them. But when I wasn't, I was going around scanning the uh, ID badges of people. And I started to hit a bunch of badges that wouldn't scan. And I noticed that they were all people from the uh, UAV conference, all wanting to be in and watching our presentations. There is a drone conference going on right now down yeah. the street. And actually, I, some people have, have actually le- legitimately registered for both of us, not try to sneak in like uh, our drone well, friends today. They wouldn't scan, so okay. I knew they were bad. But, you know, <laughs> they were sitting there watching the shows. Going, okay, whatever. Yeah. You know, That's so, great. Yeah, so it was really interesting to see all these other people from a completely different industry sitting in on lectures on mold and indoor air quality. And, you know, it, it's pretty good. It is pretty good. And, and it, it's, we are 
we have great we have great content here. We have great relevant content. You know, you talk about I, I know you on the IAQ uh, station on Normie TV. I, I there's a few other brands I work for for being immediate. The IAQ is it's so important. It, it's so it's, it's crossing over so many brands. I lost I listened to uh, some of our keynote speakers today. Legitimately, you know the. We all wanted to clean and watch the air quality during the pandemic. And suddenly when the pandemic ended, we all, I guess everybody thought, well, problem solved. We're good. But you, you and I both know yep. that's just simply it's not true. Not, well, the, the, the strange thing, and I'll say funny, but the strange thing about when COVID hit, the population that we've been trying to talk to for years realized that breathing is a thing. It seems to be something important now. We need to pay attention to that. And there was such awareness brought to it that, now people are starting to listen when you talk about other things that are out there affecting their health. Mm-hmm. You know, when you go to the doctor and they treat your symptom and then send you back to the same place that made you sick, they say, wait a minute, this doesn't make sense. And they're coming back to the indoor air quality. Yeah. You know, uh, I, I have a good friend that owns a very large air conditioning company mm-hmm. and they deal with major hospitals and school systems and everything. And he says, oh, we stay in our niche. I said, well, your niche is growing because of what's happening with buildings. He goes, what do you mean? I said, when's the last time you went into a commercial building that had windows that opened? They can't do away with the services you provide. You're right. That's a great point. They don't open, whether it's for security purposes or for keeping temperature control, they don't have windows that open. And so your air conditioning company becomes the way that buildings breathe all year long and he goes you're right you know we, we've never looked at it that way doctor i just watched dr skinner's presentation yesterday and dr gavin dr gavin he did a great job as he always does and he he said some things like that you know we all were making jokes about touching dirty knobs and handles and stuff because that's not i didn't do anything what happened was the fact that everything was flying through the air yeah that was the problem and it always is whether there's COVID or not that's always going to be the problem and i think people need to are starting to really turn the corner and realize that that's what we got to look at. And that's, and I thank you for you and Normie for shining a light on that as well. So, so well. Well, we talk about it and during the, some of the trainings that I do, you know, I talk about how come indoor air quality now has become an issue and mm-hmm. COVID was a main driving force for that. But when you put it in terms that people understand where, you, where I tell them that you can go 20 to 40 days without eating or a healthy adult can do that. You know, you can go three to seven days without drinking water. You got four to six minutes without breathing. That's it. That's it. You know, so it, I think in the importance level, it's up there because you can't say, I'll breathe tomorrow. You know, it, you can't stop it. And the average person breathes 20,000 times a day. So wait a minute. You mean that's what I do? Well, yes, that's what you do. How can you not pay attention to it? No, it's exactly right. It's 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 more and more important. And you know what? I, I read somewhere, too, that... Um, I guess this is a duh thing to say, but you never think about it. We, when you're asleep, you breathe. Yeah, you, when you're walking, you breathe. We only the only time we think about breathing is when we're thinking about breathing. Other than that, we sure. we naturally do it. Or so, if there's something wrong with the conditions we're breathing. The yes. uh, the wildfires in Canada again highlighted the problem. Uh, the eastern part of the United States. Now I know this part, the western part of the United States, deals with the uh, fires from California all the time. Right. I'm on the East Coast. We don't have these issues. If it's a localized fire or something small, it goes away in a day. We were infiltrated, I guess the only way to do it, with smoke from Canada mm-hmm. for 
two weeks. Yeah. I mean, you looked up at the sun and it was in the middle of the day, dark out. And we never experienced that. But the air quality got so bad, people couldn't go outside. And what stuck out in everybody's mind was the indoor air quality in most homes is 10 times more polluted than the outdoor air. So people that are sensitized go outside to feel better. They couldn't. So now they were looking at air that wasn't crystal clear. It was foggy, smoky, and it became an attention getter. It's like hitting somebody a cloudy glass of water. Drink that. I'm not drinking that. Well, you can't say I'm not breathing that. It, yeah. What do you mean? It's the same water. Why won't you drink that? Right. Well, it's cloudy now. Right. You know, so it hasn't been filtered as well or whatever. But it was an attention wake up moment for people. Yeah. I used to work for a magazine called Snips, which deals in the the, the HVAC, the duct sheet metal, the duct, duct wing of it. So that's big IAQ uh, wing. And we learned a lot about that. And it's just a fascinating how important that is. One of the things we go through life just taking for granted, but it's it's essential. And just continuing to work yep. on it is what we're doing. And we're going to start, we do a lot of, at this event, the experience, frankly. There's a lot, a lot of discussions about that, a lot of discussions about cleaning, obviously restoration where, where, where we live. And, and, and again, and you hear a lot of happy people over there. There's a party has begun. <laughs> yeah, well, they put the bar right next to our booth, <laughs> which was right. okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a funny feeling you picked this booth specifically for that. Well, we were here first, and then they brought okay. the bar over. I think Andrea <laughs> was involved with that. Andrea? Yeah, yeah yes. She, yes, she was involved. Our, our lovely event manager, Andrea Hansen. So yes, help I, I that. thank her for that. Yeah, yes. I really did. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. So going forward, yes. what do you see happening with the experience? Well, we're going to be in Chattanooga uh, the first week in April. And this specifically, uh, that's that's what's right in front of us now. Right after the show, we'll start gearing up for that. We're going to be doing a, a plant tour at uh, Shaw, Shaw Flooring. That's the reason we're in Chattanooga, actually, for this. Right. And we're back here at Caesars Forum next September, right after Labor Day. That is the traditional date. Okay. And as far as the ins and outs of the experience, what I'm doing is I'm going around from booth to booth and calling the sponsors and saying, look, we all love the experience. This is the time to discuss what, what you'd like to see. You know, what, what, I don't like this. I like this. Now, again, not wholesale changes at, at all. Right. Just if you want to tweak something, if you'd like to see something, I can't think of a better time than now to have that discussion. And I'm, I'm ready to have that discussion. It's exciting. Well, well, I'll tell you, one of the strangers we were discussing this the other night, we we're sitting out at the uh, lounge in, in the center of the uh, Lynx Hotel where we're staying. And we're talking about the difference of going to an event in Las Vegas. And one of the big things that came up was, besides the gambling and all the other you know glitzy stuff, you can actually walk five minutes any, in any direction and come across an oxygen bar. Where you could sit and just breathe oxygen in for a few minutes to sober up, to feel better, to wake up, or better yet, they now have IV stations with nurses yeah. where you can go for an IV if you're dehydrated. Well, you walk. I mean, that's great. By the way, number I, one, that, that's for me, but, right? You know, I, I, I yeah, I, I think a negative. Usually, I try to be positive, but with Las Vegas, I get a little negative sometimes. But you walk through the casinos and you breathe smoke for. 10 minutes getting out. Yeah, I could, I could go for some oxygen after that. It's probably a good idea. Well, I don't think it's the reason they do it, but how you doing? How you doing? Sorry, we got people just stopping by saying hello. <laughs> Your fans. Yeah. I like it. So, <laughs> it, you know what? It's, it's just a whole different experience out here. It really is. Yeah. If you could shorten the six-hour plane ride, that would make it better. You know, coming from the East Coast. You get a direct flight? Yeah. That's, that's great. I couldn't even get that from Ohio. I had a, I had a stop in uh, Denver. 
and get that nice bumpiness over the Rockies, which is always so fun. Depends on the time of the day right. and, and the thermals rising yes. and stuff. But yeah, <laughs> we spoke with some of the pilots about that, and they were they were very friendly and wanted to talk about it. There you go. Get a little rough now. <laughs> okay. I think that this is where I, I think I I can't ever predict because I, I can't see us ever leaving Las Vegas in the fall. No, it, it's um, it, it's part of the culture. You know, plus you're getting your West Coast attendance. Yeah. You know, I know Larry did uh, a show in the middle of the country mm-hmm. around, around a year ago. Mm-hmm. I forgot where it was. In Cincinnati. Cincinnati, that's right. And uh, he was telling us some statistics that it's within six hours driving of, I think, 60% of the U.S. population. Mm-hmm. That's massive. If you, look at, uh, if you look at a population map, it's just amazing how many people still live east of the Mississippi yeah. as compared to the West. I mean, it's been 150 years since the gold rush or more. Right. And, but still not all the people out here compared to the East coast. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know what? The gold rush is something that I talk about with a lot of our members and I, uh, I warned them about with advertising and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. well, what do you mean the gold rush in advertising? I said, well, during the gold rush, everybody went out West to, to do digging and everything else to find their, their fortune. The only people that made money were the people that sold the picks and shovels. Ezra, we talked about that. You, you called me a um, typical salesperson, I think, last time I answered this. Jokingly, I yes, think, I hope. Yes, yes. I, I said, well, they had a need and they provided the need. It doesn't matter. There was no gold. It oozed out. Yes, it did. <laughs> yes, it did. So I, I noticed, I think that was your wife that was here a few minutes yeah, ago. Yeah, she, uh, she looked at and rolled her eyes. That, that he won't stop talking and walked away. Too much uh, yeah. fun and just walked away. <laughs> so, yeah, I get that. Well, I, I appreciate you spending the time. I know you have a lot to do here with all these vendors and everything, and uh, greatly appreciate it. And oh, you know what? You seem to be listening to the people that are here because I do notice a big change in the show from the last one. Well, we're, that's exactly what I've, we're trying to do. The, people love coming to this event. There's a loyal audience here, and I'm not gonna. We're gonna we're gonna see what they want and continue on from there. So I'm just happy. happy. We're we're so thrilled to be a part of this. Thrilled to be partners with Normie. And such great sponsors of this event. And we'll, let's hope that continues forever. Well, thank you very much for your time. Thank you, sir. And all the changes and everything else and putting the bar next to us. It was we, all good. We could have that as part of your sponsorship next year if you oh, want. I'm going to hold you to that. In your booth. We got witnesses. They're all online. <laughs> all right. So thank you very much. Thank you. Bye. Uh, we're still here at the Experience Show. And we've been doing interviews. And they just did a um, big spread of food they put out so everybody kind of migrated away so it's a little bit quieter for us now to talk and do another interview i got mr jones here and i'm going to call him mr jones because he's just so proper about everything that we do i like he's, that he's the founder and ceo of superstratum and, and i'm going to let you just explain what that is because the name itself sounds gigantic <laughs> so go for it yeah it's a little catchy name we came up with uh, it came from one of our um flagship products called our smart polymer coating the Super, we all know what that word means, strata, which means that top layer. So it kind of goes along with this idea of our smart polymer coating that, you know, one of the unique things about our protocol is that we finish that protocol and we add that smart polymer coating layer that is um, invisible. It's water resistant, abrasion resistant. And so that's where the name came from. So it was a chemistry or a chemical company. Mm-hmm. We're a chemical manufacturing and uh, development company. We're primarily focused on the problem of mycotoxins. So we work with a lot of mold remediators, contents cleaners, HVAC cleaners. Um, and we also have a, a new service company, our super, first Superstratum Network Pro in the Middle Tennessee area. 
that's um, going out in the field and using these protocols to holistically treat entire building envelopes and to remove the mycotoxins often left behind from molds. Okay. Well, I'm going to talk about that in a minute, but I want to go back to the chemistry side of it. Yeah. Your product, what you're doing, how does it differ from a lot of the other stuff that's on the market? There's yeah. all kinds of stuff out there. Absolutely. So, you know, a lot of chemistries that probably a lot of people listening will be familiar with, the peroxides, the parasitic acids, even, you know, the quaternary ammonium salts. These uh, chemistries, uniquely to our polymer coating, they're, they can do a fine job at removing mold, at killing mold, removing stains. But oftentimes, once that moisture comes back, that chemical is washed away. There's no long-term performance when you're removing that mold. So our polymer chemistry is designed to last, in many cases, I mean, we 25 years. We just got a review last week of somebody that used it 15 years ago and came back to us and said, you know, wrote this big review, actually had to go find our new company because so much time had gone by. So really the biggest difference in the existing chemistries is our moisture resistance. Our coating actually loves moisture. That's what makes it active. How is it for uh, UV resistance? Like, is it an outdoor product also? It's also an outdoor product. So we get, you know, the, the efficiency of that product depends on the surface you're putting it on and how much wear it's getting. So if you sprayed it in your shower, we typically see about 10 to 12 weeks of performance. So you won't have any grout grow, you know, any mold or mildew growing in that grout line. You put it on an exterior application, say vinyl siding, or if you got a, you know, a lot of our customers, they'll power wash their slippery sidewalks or their brick and spray it down there. We see about two years of you know protection against growth in, in those instances. And then once you get inside the home, get into cavities, that sort of thing, and we give a 10-year warranty on that. But we see performance, like in that case, 15 years and 20, 20 plus what, years. What does a warranty mean? You say like a 10-year warranty. What, yep. what is that? Yep. So we will replace that product. We guarantee that that product will work. Um, there are some stipulations in that, of course, around you know if there's uh, future water damage incidents. Mm -hmm. But really what that is, it's that protection you know, for that remediator knowing that they don't have to come back. And if something went wrong or if there was a moisture event after, you know, they're not going to get that call back. They're not getting blamed for that. If that extra layer of protection, it's very economical. It's very cost effective, you know, to include that protection. And one of the ways that we're utilizing this product, a lot of builders now are starting to pre-treat homes. And in fact, we just treated a 24,000 square foot build. It was a brand new $20 million home. And they coated every piece of wood in that building with this polymer to, to you know, protect those cavities. Well, we know there's a, always a problem with building because the lumber yard shows up, yeah, delivers the stuff, yep. it lays in the dirt and the rain and everything else, and nobody ever cleans it. Exactly. So this it's is inoculated new. as soon as that house goes up. Interesting. So <clears throat> in the comparison to other products, what is your product classified as? Yeah, well, I'll back up a little bit here. We have a few different products. So oh, okay. um, our, our patent pending protocol, what we call our SMART protocol, this is a combination of three different tech chemicals, which I'll talk about, the SMART polymer coating being the last one, mm -hmm. uh, but it's a full protocol. Uh, it involves some hardware, um, some, some different things. Of course, every job is different, right? But what, we're, our, what our protocol primarily consists of, uh, the first step is a hypochlorous acid. Um, this is a chemical that's starting to gain some popularity. Um, we have a unique version of that product very shelf stable and it has the right pH balance. So the first step of our protocol is we fog that into that environment. So that's the first chemical. Second chemical is chlorine dioxide gas. Um, we come in mm -hmm. after that humidity is raised, we use the gas in that environment and then we'll use multi-cluster ionization, put positive pressure into that building, you know, push the gas out, replace it with the fresh air and then we'll use the coating last. So of all of our, you know, we have a few of those chemistries. Our, our polymer coating is, is proprietary and unique. The other two chemistries, and this is something that is very important to us, is they're 
biodegradable salt-based chemistries. They don't leave any toxic chemicals behind. We exist for that sensitized patient. Those are our customers. They're the people. Who, and that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. I mean, is there any kind of residuals, off-gassing, anything like that, that can cause long-term effects? No, no. We, we have for years and years on our, on our coding, um, even for years and years, we've had actually people say one of the, when we, when we found this technology, it was being sold under the brand name. And when we took it offline, we started getting emails. And one of the first emails we got was a customer who said, I've used this thing for years. It's the only chemical that I can use in my house that doesn't create additional sensitivities. And that's what we found, you know, with these customers, they've never had any problems with hypochlorous acid or chlorine dioxide. And even our polymer coating, you know, is not causing reactions in people. Any special precautions for usage? Uh, in regards to the polymer coating? Well, any of any of the chemistries. Um, well, so hypochlorous acid, no, you don't need any type of PPE. It's a, it's a very, very gentle chemical. Um, the chlorine dioxide, yes. You know, the gas there can't be inhaled. So when you run that part of the protocol, that's typically done overnight. You vacate the house, remove the people, pets, and plants. But it, it's biodegradable. It breaks you down to a scuba salt. type gear for that? You, yeah, you need a full scuba suit. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, well, of course, PPE on that, gas mask when you're setting up. Um, and then on the polymer coating, we typically recommend a mask or some overspray, but if it gets on your skin, you just wash it off. It's, um, it's, it's very gentle and safe. Where is this as far as EPA registrations? And Great question. Yeah. So um, we are, uh, we have a, an EPA registered product that um, we are actually just now launching. So that'll be new up on our website, probably. Well, this is live. So not by the time it's airs, but very, very soon. Um, but primarily our chemicals are not EPA registered. And the reason for that is we are addressing the mycotoxins. Mycotoxins fall outside of the realm of the treated of the uh, the FIFRA Act. Right. Now, the only exception to that is our polymer coating, um, and because of the uniqueness of that technology, a lot of people in the industry are not as familiar with what we what's called the treated articles exemption. Right. Right. Um, and this is something that I, I explain often to people that um, the EPA has made a particular exemption within the FIFRA Act, and that says if the antimicrobials used in your product are used to protect uh, if you're not making any public health claims and the purpose is to protect um, an item from degradation of mold, then you don't need an EPA registration. And you okay. can give specific examples of that. And our product fits very, very uh, squarely in that category. So we are limited on certain things we say. This is not a disinfectant. You do not clean mold with this protected product. If you apply it to a clean surface, once that surface is um, you know, is it has been remediated, which again is the multi-step process. Exactly, yeah. it's part of our protocol. But once that coating is down there, the way that smart polymer coating works and the technology, um, it will be protected from from any growth. It will survive hundreds of wet dry cycles. You know, and and that surface will stay protected. Interesting, and it has a longevity to it. You have your own protocols for it. Uh, one of the things about not being EPA registered is you can ship that internationally. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know in Canada, they cannot take anything that is EPA registered. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, it, it does give yep. you a larger market too. That's interesting. That yeah. And, you know, it was a, it was a big thing at our company over the last two years of R and D with this system, you know, trying to decide what to do. And it really came, it's what we worked a lot with Normie on this and Doug and you guys, you know, mm -hmm. really trying to understand how we position this, um, this new system that we're introducing on top of, traditional remediation and tear outs, those two sorts of things, right? So right. rather than coming in and saying, here's a new way to remediate mold, what we're saying is, here is a more complete way to treat an entire home when you're remediating mold, because there are these other chemicals and elements that are left behind that traditional remediation doesn't cover. So we can point to 
other companies, you know, who have the pesticide registrations who do that remediation work. But our right. company is specifically focused outside in the chemical side, not on the microbiology of the mold. We're focused on removing the chemical. Well, obviously, you can't make kill claims on anything that's not EPA registered, but effectiveness wise, as far as molds, bacteria, viruses, even, even the COVID issue that we dealt with, is this a, a product that will work in that area? Yeah. Yeah, we, I mean, certainly, you know, as cleaners and protectants, we have a lot of mold remediators using our products on jobs that aren't mycotoxin jobs. And, um, you know, we, there's a lot of success, especially on the coating, because it, it gives a remediator an entire new tool in their tool belt, right? They, sure. you know, especially in disaster relief, these types of things, or when you're dealing in these high moisture environments where you're trying to manage, this really gives, you know, that technician a, an economical tool, right? Where they can protect virtually any surface interior or exterior from growth over an extended period of time. Fantastic. Well, I got to change gears here for a moment. I mean, your team is basically across the aisle from us. And I know John and I've talked with him many times. And you guys did what? Rock, paper, scissors to see who lost and had to come do the interview with me? Is that how that worked? Yeah, if it's between me and John, I always lose. You can tell who wins in that fight. Yeah, he's a big boy. <laughs> he is. You know, what is his position? What does he do? John is our chief science officer and chemist. Um, he, has a, okay. he has a pretty extensive background in polymer technology and air filtration and uh, his general contractor as well. How, do, how does he find time to do that when he's in the gym all day long? <laughs> He'll laugh at that. Yeah. No, uh, and, and he was very interesting. Uh, I know we had uh, talked in the past, and his knowledge is just incredible. He caught he, me by surprise really, yeah. the way he speaks, but makes it um, capable for the layman to understand the product. That's exactly right. You know, we, we started working together very early. Um, he basically came along. He showed up right when we first discovered our, our polymer coating, and he had all okay. the background. He joined the company, you know, as a partner, and... And his his really his unique blend of and I normally preach this all the time, right? But we have mold problems because we have building problems. Exactly. And there are so many components to what can create this, which ultimately leads to a person being extremely sick, which is the mission of our company. We're trying to fix that. Mm -hmm. So in order to fix that, we have to fix the environment. In order to fix the environment, there's all these pieces that you have to look at when you look at a building. And John. I, I laugh, I call him the Swiss Army knife sometimes because he has all these really unique, he's got history in air filtration, you know, in HVAC systems, which, which contribute to a lot of these problems. He's built homes, he's built buildings, he's a chemist by trade, he formulates chemicals. You know, that, that, that's really been, I think, the differentiator of our company, you know, is that we've kind of come in and pull a lot of different disciplines together and say, hey, we're missing a really big part of this problem because we're all kind of focused in these individual lanes. Right. Going a little bit sideways on the conversation, we know about the microbial side and how effective it is. Do you do anything on chemistry side? I know fentanyl right now is a massive problem. Yeah. Crime scene cleanup is a big problem. Um, there's a lot of other things, meth labs. Yep. Right? Any interaction across there? We, we have done a little bit of research on that. Um, and it's not something we're actively pursuing right now, but we do have some customers in the field who are using some of our chemistry. We, we understand theoretically the way that our chemistry works on that. We don't have, we're not there yet, um, but it's likely something that we'll have in the future because we, promising. we think we've got some efficacy there. Very cool. Yeah. And I noticed you have some uh, newer people, you know, at your booth too. We do. We've got, we've got a partner here with us who um, has been a real game changer in what we've done. Um, that's Mark Rutaco at Respirator Labs. 
they are the first company that has developed a way to test both qualitatively and quantitatively in parts per billion for mycotoxins in the air. Okay. Um, this is this is really revolutionized what we do because we developed and patented a system and a protocol based somewhat off of a theoretical problem that we saw on the health side. We knew that millions and millions of people are overloaded with mycotoxins, and we believed that it was coming from the air and buildings, but there was no way to validate that. We could only validate that on the surfaces. Okay. Mark's company and the labs was the first company that could help us validate this as a problem. We can now, we know to, to very fine detail what's going on in that air. So that has allowed us now to validate on the front end and to validate on the back end that we've actually removed those chemicals out of that building from that air. Sounds like a complete package. We believe it is. We're excited. Well, uh, I know we have been talking with you guys for a while. You know, we're trying to put protocols and things in place to work together on some stuff. So this is exciting. And this is what the show is all about. It know? is. Yeah, we, right. we were laughing exactly a year ago at the show is when Doug and I connected. And I can't it's crazy that we've only been working together on this for a year. Yeah. Well, knowing John, it seems like a lifetime, but you know, <laughs> he'll go watch this in the future. Too. Listen, this is what if he sends me on, we pick on him because he, he can't defend himself. And, and that's fair. That's fair. Well, it's been a pleasure. Absolutely. Uh, we'll do this again. We'll stay in touch. And, uh, you know, our members that are out there watching in the general public, you know, hopefully they're going to take an interest in this and it's something different. Absolutely. Any of your members, you know, we're creating a lot of educational content. We've got a great technical support staff. We're looking for partners, people who are looking to add something to their business. We want to go that extra mile. You know, that's why our company exists is to equip our mediators and people who actually want to make a difference. And, and every day, you know, we're, we're creating new tools to help those mediators do that and communicate that to their customers. If they want to reach out to you, you have a website? Absolutely. www.superstratum.co. And there's everything there. Our white paper is there. So they can read Michael Pinto and Wondermakers. Um, you know, released our white paper. We did that research with him. That's in our knowledge base. So there's all sorts of stuff on that website that, that they can check out. Okay, very good. Well, we'll do this again, and I know we'll see you at future shows. Absolutely, we will. All right, thank you very much. Thanks. Live again at the third day of the Experience Trade Show in Las Vegas. I have Jeff Cross with me, who is the publisher. I, I'm trying to think of all the titles. I put that my card have. right down here so you could read off yeah, my what's card. Stuff on the card for all the different things you do with all the so different just magazines. media director, media director, media director. Yeah, that's it. Okay. So the media director. Okay. From clean facts and clean facts and there's I, other magazines involved. So ISSA, the, our trade association owns three media brands, three magazines. Right. Clean facts is the one that serves this industry, the one that you're more familiar with, mm -hmm. that you know something about. A little. little. And then we have Cleaning and Maintenance Management Magazine, which serves the contract cleaners, facilities, those that do the janitorial or custodial cleaning. And I used to say today, which is the publication for our members, but it's more of a C-suite executive magazine. Those three, it's all they do. That wasn't all on the card. I need a bigger card. That's what I said. So on the important side of it, this is day three of the experience show. Uh, we got about an hour or so to go until the doors close and then the whole cleanup process starts. I just came for the espresso, you promised me. I, it, I could go for it right now. I know. It's freezing. It's cold in here. It is. Then I'm it just is. tired. But how's the show been for you? I mean, this has been very busy. I mean, we've been at the other experience shows, but this is a really, really busy show for us this year. 
Yeah, this is Friday afternoon. Normally, and there's Larry. Normally, it's not this busy. Larry's always interrupting. But yeah, I thought it was very good up and you know till the very end. Very busy. Yeah, we were we were very busy. We did a training today. We did um, we had three segments this morning that we did on the remediation process. We built the room of containment. We did negative pressure, and the room was packed. It was standing room only, which that's good. It's good to see. Yeah, very good. People want they want to need the training, so it's nice to see the classrooms having that activity. Yeah. Hey, you know, five minutes ago, there was nobody over here. We sat down, we're talking, they're starting to you know, circle around. So that's yeah, okay. they're here. That's okay. So uh, I know you guys have a show coming up. We do. I say show North America 23 in Las Vegas, November 13th through the 16th. Or yeah, 13th to the 16th. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think and Monday through Thursday. And it's back in Vegas. It's back in Vegas, Mandalay Bay. Uh, Monday is all education then tuesday wednesday thursday's trade show and education networking uh it's our 100th anniversary this year as everyone knows so we have a big bash uh celebration there so just you know trade shows we've been doing a long time and we we love it i love the networking and talking to people like like yeah. you gavin and, you know gavin's gavin, always a he's, treat he's in he's got that good accent yes 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 <laughs> so he keeps you busy i'm sure he, he does so anything special coming up at the convention? So uh, there's a lot of new things happening, but every year there's new, different education, different speakers. I'm looking forward to meeting. So I do a lot of interviews, as you know, right. for my own programming. So I talk to a lot of people over Zoom and we record. I'm going to meet some of them in person. So it's gonna, I'm oh, looking okay. forward to that. Yeah, yeah. I, I, love, I love events like this because you and I have been doing these a long time. And... I love just connecting with people again, the networking. That's important to me more than anything else. I agree. And, you know, it's funny. People come up and they shake your hand. I got to look at the names. Oh, I remember you now. Because it's, it's not like you're around them all the time, but it's it's a once a year. Uh, yeah. So faces are much easier than names. Yes. Like, I know you. Yeah. I know you. I know you. I know you from someplace. I yes. really do. But when I, um, Andrea from the event here, and um, when we went to register, I walked up to the registration desk. She says, oh, I got something for you. And, I'm, and I had to look at her name tag for a minute to remember who she was. Mm -hmm. We sat and we talked with her last year and she knew that I was with emergency services. Her husband's a, a fireman. And she gave me a patch. It's that kind of stuff that you run into every year when you come back to these things. People recognize you. They do. You know? yeah. And we, I see some of the same people every trade show. Mm -hmm. uh, you have your regulars, you have your new ones. So it's a good mix of, of people. And what what a good industry! Just they're here because they want to learn and do better, and and you know it's Vegas. That's a draw as well. Yeah, um, I know. During our classes, we always hand out applications for Clean Facts. If anybody watching wants to get a copy of Clean Facts, how do they go about doing that? So thank you for that. Yeah, it's amazing how many you you at Normie you send us when you have a class. So. Obviously, we, we have those forms, but most now uh, that are listening and watching this program, just go to cleanfacts.com. Uh, there's, a, there's a subscribe button. You could do it online. It's very easy to do. Yeah. Just and, online. And truthfully, you know, we want our people to be educated in not just a specific, you know, vertical that they're in. They need to know about the other verticals, even if they don't do the work. Education. It's That's education, it's but we're also dealing with a different market now. 
the consumer is educated. They all go on YouTube. They all go on Google. They all research everything. Whether they get the right information or not is a different story, but they can ask you questions. And when you don't know or you haven't heard about what they're talking mm -hmm. about, they look at you like, I thought you were an expert. I thought you knew this industry. Well, that's not really my industry. Well, yeah, it is. It's all about breathing. We're giving away this. Exactly. It's, it's about speaking confidently about what you do, about your industry. You don't have to do everything there is to do as far as the type of work, but you should be knowledgeable about it. Right. I, I'm not sure for anybody watching can hear Larry who's they can hear him. Oh yeah, they can hear him probably without the microphone system wherever wherever they're located. But yeah, we're getting towards the end of the show and they're doing a lot of giveaways here and it's getting kind of loud. So yeah. Hey, we're yeah. giving it a shot here, you know. That's right. Weed out the sounds and uh but it's been great to be here and and yeah. see normie and you guys you guys always do a great job with your what you do as well all right thank you for that it's a good show you know it, it really was mm -hmm. and we met a lot of new people uh a lot of people from canada from uh actually alaska we were talking a bunch of people so you know the word's getting out and they're yep. coming to see us so anything else any surprises anything no, nothing it's it's just we have 25 minutes to go and larry's going to give away some stuff so all right that's it thank you very much and we'll see you at the next show. All right. Take care. It's so important to be able to tell the story of the work that you do because that's how we learn, that's how we improve. So as we take a pathway of continuous improvement, if we don't share our stories in remediation, restoration and cleaning will never improve. And this is, the, this is the right time to do it and this is the place to come. The experience is the place to come to learn more, to do better. You are doing a favor for yourself and more importantly for your customers by attending the experience. You're gonna gain more knowledge, meet more associates, be able to talk, shop with people that truly understand what you do every day and that's really priceless and you rarely get that. Uh, you know, working in the field. So I could say, take the time, it's worth it. So the experience exhibition is amazing. Um, there's a ton of awesome vendors out here. So if you're a restoration and cleaning business owner or somebody that works for one, or you're in charge of growing one, these are the type of events that you need to go to. Um, every single vendor for every different type of channel for your business to grow or scale your business is here. Um, and it's very important as business owners to be a member of associations and events like this because who better to learn from than your peers and your competition. Uh, learn what they do right, what they don't do right. It's a great opportunity to network for your business. And there's also a ton of classes going on for you to learn everything in the in and out, anything you've been struggling with your business at this event. So the thing that I've enjoyed the most about the experience uh, this year is, is just seeing uh, some of the different associations, the R&R Magazine, Normie coming in. You can really see uh, the this portion of the industry wanting to change, expand, build those collaborations, even with competitors, which I believe the industry needs to do. This is probably the best uh, IICRC event that I've been to, uh, the experience, the R&R Magazine, um, really enjoying what's happening this year. The number of people that I've met for the very first time. And it's like, wow, this is my network. These are my, these are people that I can help. This is like growing my family in one day. Yeah. 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 Yeah.